Don't be so serious. Ah, don't be so serious. La da 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 da. Hello and welcome to Flop Shop with your host Cormac Duff and. Oh, Isadora, I'm in my pajamas because it's really, really cold in Ireland. So I put on my heated blanket and I'm in the warmest place I can be, which is my bed. <laughs> and today we are reviewing Isadora. The best video game ever. We are. Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> Close. What's his name? Death Stranding. Death Stranding. Exactly. Very good. So if anyone doesn't know, Death Stranding is a 2019 uh, PlayStation 4 and PC video game uh, made by legendary game maker Hideo Kojima. Um, so Isadora, to someone who doesn't know much about video games or has never heard of this game, could you explain roughly what it's about? It's a walking simulator. And what's a walking simulator? Oh! You walk through America carrying packages, which Cormac refuses to properly categorize and carry properly, um, <laughs> in an America that looks exactly like Iceland. Mm. Yep, that's pretty close. That is um, the entirety so of the game, Cormac. Let's, let's be that's real. That's pretty much it. Yeah, a lot of people will stop playing this game because they figure it like, is every mission just like delivering packages from place to place? And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. That's like, but it's so good. I never so good. wanted to be like a FedEx employee as much as I wanted <laughs> in that game. Yeah, the, the game just has an incredible lore and an incredible atmosphere. So to give people a little bit of more detail, um, the game is set in a post-apocalyptic America. Um, so there has been an apocalyptic event called a Death Stranding several years before, where the worlds of the living and the dead have kind of merged and overlapped. Um, so there are ghosts uh, called BTs, um, or like bridge or bottle beach things, uh, that are invading yes. the living world. And also when people die, if their um, bodies aren't uh, disposed of properly, if they're not incinerated quickly, um, it causes like a mini like nuclear eruption called a, um, a void out. Um, so like basically civilization is largely fall apart. People live in these underground bunkers and also people don't want to go to the surface of the earth because uh, the rain prematurely ages things. It's called time fall. So that's why people live underground. So they're kind of separated from each other, they're paranoid, and the only people of any sort of social status are like, essentially like these FedEx employees, these like couriers that bring things from place to place. And you play as one of them, a character called Sam Porter Bridges, which is like the most on the nose name ever, because he's a porter. And classic Kojima, classic Kojima. Bridges who connect people. And also like a strand is like, you can be stranded like on a beach, but strands are also things that connect people. And when people live in big underground bunkers, they're called knots because it's like lots of strands coming together. So like it's really on the nose, but also everything fits in together. So it's a really, really good. Kojima had some really good nose. Japanese to English translator right there, helping him come up with all these puns. He had some great Japanese English translators. I was wondering, like, did he think about it in English and work it back to Japanese? Or did he just have some like... Um, English-speaking people working very close to him to make it work. I feel like he speaks English, but he must have someone who's also there to make all these puns, because the puns are just, like, very good. They're very on the nose. Yeah, the puns are amazing. So, like, every character will have a name that's very on the, on the nose. Like, one of one of the other um, uh, delivery entrepreneurs' name is uh, Fragile, and uh, she is the owner of Fragile Express, which is, like, 
I don't know if it's a good name or a bad name for couriers. Like fragile I makes think it sound. Fine. Yeah, I think it sounds like fine. they'll take care of your stuff, but also like the, their stuff will break easily. But she's but, fragile, but she's not. But that not fragile. that fragile. <laughs> they say that like eight times and a fragile is actually my favorite character um so our main character is played by norman reedus you may recognize from the walking dead i think he's like meryl or daryl or one of those kind of like hit characters you um, like you act like i've seen the walking dead i haven't and uh fragile is played by Leia Sadu, who you may recognize as the bonds girl uh french blonde from spectre he was in the French Beauty and the Beast, which is very good. Oh, was she? Aesthetically, yeah. it was very pretty. Yeah. As far as I know. I, I could be getting this completely wrong. You know, I never know people's names or what they do or anything. Yeah, I thought her character was amazing. So basically, your your job as Sam Porter Bridges is to reconnect America. So you're bringing packages from place to place, but you're also kind of restoring a sort of um, kind of like an internet connection between, but like very advanced, uh, between uh, the different... I say to bunkers, and um, you call the chiral network. Um, and when the when the um, story starts off, your character is very like individualistic, doesn't really care about America, doesn't care about other people, but like gradually learns from the people around them and like learns that you know to care for others and and uh, the connecting people is important. But I like how like every character reflects them in some way. Like fragile is also a courier, and also people have kind of a mixed view of her, and but she made like a large personal sacrifice to help other people, but never got credit for it. So he realizes that when he meets Fragile, like even though she did this and had a massive personal cost to her, that it was worthwhile because it had like a massive positive net for, for everyone around her, even if she never got credit for it. What can I say? I like Fragile. I think she's cool. I think she's dope. Um, all the characters are very much on the nose. I kind of, this is kind of spoilery, but also like, I guess we're an inherently spoilery concept as a show, but it's like, I kind of enjoy how at the end Sam's like, yeah, I've built all these connections. Now screw off everyone, I'm gonna go rescue my baby and never show up again anywhere. I'm back to yeah, being think... alone, my true perfect way of being. Yeah, I think he's just kind of like, yeah, not connected America, then I'm just gonna do my own thing. Um, so he's, I meant it like, it's, it's very kind of bizarre if you're explaining it from the outside, he is, you're it's helped amazing, by a, by a 20... Best. You're helped by a 28-week-old fetus called uh, BB28, who is a um, a fetus who you kind of wear uh, in like an apparatus. It's a bridge baby. It's a bridge baby. So basically, the bridge baby is uh, the mom is in a coma, so it's kind of a bridge between the la the world of the living and the dead. So by wearing a bridge baby, you're able to see the ghosts, and the bridge baby is able to help protect you. BB28 correctly captures my feelings regarding how you play Death Stranding. <laughs> so in one that, of the essential mechanics in that of the you game are supposed like... to be sensitive to the material, supposed to take smart routes and not break packages. And there you are being like, I have a highly sensitive like nuclear detonating bomb on me. What I'm going to do is like sled down a snowy hill. <laughs> so in the game um it doesn't look like real america it looks more like iceland because kojima went to iceland he's like i gotta do this um which in the game they explain by time fall and the fact that like the um that the landscape is so desolate and barren but um in reality i think you're supposed to walk large amounts of it so that you're kind of like thoughtful and meditative but i just use the motorbike that they give you early in the game to just motorbike everywhere like motorbike over mountain ranges 
and, and like, there are down rocks the sides everywhere. Of so you were like ruining your packages and yeah. falling and and falling and like tumbling down hills. And whenever you fall, your baby starts crying. And you have to like rock your baby. And Isadora is like, I'm also anxious. I feel like this baby. Yeah, and then you'd see like a cliff, and then there'd be like another thing, and it'd be like a really big gap, and you'd be like, I can make it, I can make it. And I'm like, all your, all the things you're carrying, they're exceptionally fragile, and like they actually have not, a not percentage mark, which means that you can break them at any point. <laughs> and then you're like, oh yeah, but what about this? I'm like, but if you just go around it, then you're like, slow, slow, don't want to do that. Slow, I on motorbike, I fast. Yeah, when I figured I'd wheelies in a bike and a jump button, I was like, I'm going to be just fine. So every now and then I'd end up at the bottom of a ravine. But for every one time of that, there was just like a cool jump where I'd look. For every really, one time? Maybe a little bit more than one time. I restarted this game a lot. Like, if you die, a lot of the time your packages will like be taken away by these kind of rogue... Um, couriers gone bad called mules. roving um, bandits roving bandits yeah and you have a chance to reclaim them but i just never did i was like i'm going to reclaim the last save because this seems too much like work um yeah no that's cool yeah i, f I found the characters were really um yeah i really like the characters like there's the character of uh there's not one but two um big name directors who are in this who are in this uh game um, including Guillermo del Toro, who previously worked on a cancelled Silent Hills game with Hideo Kojima. So Guillermo del Toro you might recognize as the director of Pan's Labyrinth and also Out of Shape of Water. Um, so he plays a scientist called Dead Man, who's literally made up of like stem cells of different organs. So he's like a real... He's literally a dead man. He's literally a dead man. And he, he's, he's a sense like, oh, I don't have a soul because like I wasn't you know created. I was just kind of put together like a Frankenstein's monster. Um, so it's interesting because like the character Sam Porter Bridges sometimes doesn't feel like a real person too because he's you know, got no connection to humanity. So like every side character you meet um, gives you, kind of reflects the main character in some way. I, I just thought it was really clever. I think the best movies do that where like, and best TV shows where the main character learns through other people, but then also like sees themselves in other people. Yeah, but the most ridiculous hoe is Hartman, who's literally like, I'm going to shock myself and put myself into cardiac arrest every, like, five minutes so I can go and try my family. I can go and try and find my family who were taken away by the Death Stranding during one of the explosions. And I'm always like, sir, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like, that is so <laughs> stupid. And he's so ridiculous. And he keeps sending you likes while he's comatose. And I'm like, Hartman. Also, the one comment I want to make about Death Stranding, the thing that reduces heart, like the thing that it reduces the game in quality, in my opinion, is the fact that every single person, okay, stop. <laughs> every <laughs> single person in the game, when they send you emails, they seem to have completely forgotten proper email formatting. In what world is it acceptable to send a bunch of emojis in a professional email? I'm just like so outraged. I'm like, we're in a post-apocalyptic environment. He is doing you a service, sir. And you don't even have the common courtesy to send him a properly worded and well thought out email with no emojis. Like, where's the professionalism in post-apocalyptic America? Like, Jesus. I think in the future, like, red languages will become so informal that emojis are just acceptable for work emails. Because everyone yes, but writes we're not with there yet, emojis. and I am outraged. The formality of the work email makes me exceptionally anxious and stressed, and other people need to suffer through it, too. <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that was a good bit. <laughs> um, so yeah, Hartman's character, he's played by Nicholas uh, Windy Greffin, the second big director who uh, directed Drive. Um, 
So yeah, everyone's got a really interesting backstory. So he basically died at the same time as his family and ended up on the beach, which is sort of like a kind of like a purgatory between the living and the dead. So it's like mm -hmm. when you're passing into the afterlife, you go through the beach. Um, but because of the death stranding, people can come the other way as well. So he, his family died, but then he was brought back to life because of um, cardiac resuscitation. Um, but then his family went off into the afterlife. So he goes back to the beach searching for them and like trying to be with them and uh, has like basically goes into cardiac arrest deliberately every uh, 20 minutes for three minutes to try to find his wife and kids and then comes back to the real world. So it's kind of like it's, it shows that even people in the real world feel like they aren't fully present in the living world because um, because they want to be with the dead. You know, like there's some people whose family have like died and like they'd almost want to be dead to be with them even if they're not like fully sure of an afterlife but then this universe like an afterlife exists like it's it's a provable fact so it makes sense for him to want to try to kill himself all the time if he knows that there's a chance that he might he might meet his family again the one comment i would like to say is i remember you were playing this game and you were like oh my god his door it's so miserable everyone's in their own little holes and not like communicating and i was sitting there being and i was sitting there being like dream world yes <laughs> yes i see that you are walking around my dream world you mean i can live in like a really big military grade bunker which probably has really good tv and a bunch of books and i can apparently order pizza yeah one day i order pizza i'll see to deliver apparently pizza. order pizza so i'm just like what's wrong with the world i'm like this seems like a great world i don't understand <laughs> Yeah, I, I like as well that like the world is so small that like people are like, oh my god, thank you for getting these, these supplies. And I was like, I got these supplies from like five minutes away. You could have walked and got them at any time. Like, Why would they, Cormac? They're living their yeah. best cozy life in yeah. a bunker, not having to talk to anyone. <laughs> like This game feels huge when you're going through it, but then um, at the very end of the game, you go backwards and you realize you can get back in like nine minutes and it's only like seven kilometers. And you're like, this is not as long as... as, as massive world as I once anticipated but it feels huge like it took me 36 hours to complete this game and I usually don't like uh role playing games or really long games I can usually I love long games. Long games after 10 or 20 hours that. um but this one just like had me hooked like we stayed up until like 3 a.m getting to the finale and yes. the finale was so long and drawn out and we stayed through the credits and there's a post-credit sequence you won't spoil it but uh it's pretty good and it proved Did this door right post, the post-credit sequence that proved this door right uh, uh, yeah proved this door right don't sell the viewers but uh you're right um yeah um there yeah everyone's got ridiculous names so we've got so far hartman deadman we've mama. died Hart, mama um yeah, so Mama's like a really tragic backstory as well. Basically, she was due for an elective C-section and then there was a terrorist attack. Her hospital exploded and she was stuck under the rubble. And then her baby like died before it could be delivered. Um, so she's kind of, she deliberately has her, keeps her baby's ghost around because she is like living with the grief of it. And she doesn't want to like fully let her baby go into the afterlife because she wants to kind of keep its connection. And the dead things are kind of kept to, are tethered to the ground by umbilical cords. So it's literally like her umbilical cord. I did like Mama as a character. Mar um, then you're going to say Die Hardman, the most yeah. on the nose. Yeah, exactly. It's like, do you know why they call me Die Hardman? Because it was hard for me to die. In fact, I never died. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention, our main character can die all the time, but come back to life because he has some special power. That yes, he's like. 
But when he comes back to life, gigantic craters that can destroy cities get formed yes. in where his body exactly. was left. Yeah, sort of where that still happens. You probably shouldn't die in like a in a big area. But if you do it in the middle of nowhere, it's, it's usually fine. And it's actually cool. You'll come back to the area where he died and it'll just be a massive crater there. It's pretty cool. Did we ever go inside one of the massive craters? I think we should have gone to like the middle and seen what happened. Yeah, it's uh. I didn't go just because it's hard to walk back up it, but it's uh, that's a cool idea. Um, I just found like the the world is so deep. There's also the character of Higgs, who is played by um, Troy Baker, who plays Joel in The Last of Us and plays Booker DeWitt in Bioshock Infinite, and he was just the most amazing sort of semi campy over the top villain ever. Could you tell us a little bit about Higgs? Higgs is an extra hoe. Higgs is so extra that he's like, I'm Higgs. I'm the, like, particle of life. I'm going to dress up as an ancient pharaoh and commit <laughs> attacks of strange terrorism that don't really even make sense to me. I'm going to wear, like, a, a golden mummy mask because I am ostentatious. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to get into a yeah. fist fight with you. Like, our finale yeah. is not going to be, like, a gun show. I need to get into a fist fight. <laughs> Yeah, so one of the interesting things is that um, is that I didn't really know much about the ancient Egyptian belief of life and death, but this game basically says that the ancient Egyptians had it right, that the ancient Egyptians believed that there was like a ha and a cat, like a body and a soul, and that the two of them did, could become gradually separated. Um, so when babies are like in utero, um, their like soul gradually comes into them. But also if people are like dying in like gradual process, their soul slowly, slowly leaves them, which I think is really interesting when you think about things like dementia, you know, people can kind of fade away very gradually and slowly. Um, so he kind of leans into this and dresses up like an emperor and covers himself in gold and like has like eyeshadow on. So he looks absolutely ridiculous, but also I, it fits into the character. I will say the thing that I like is that in a lot of video games, they have these voice actors like him who are exceptionally famous, but they're playing like, you know, a designed character looks completely different mm. from them. But then Kojima yeah. was like, I'm going to go full cinematic. Everyone looks exactly the way they do in real life. Yeah. So one of the things you'll notice is um, uh, is that the characters look exactly like they do. Um, the mo facial models are incredible. They're so detailed. And uh, they look just like the people, you know. So you are looking at Norman mm. Reedus and you are looking at Leia Sadu and you are looking at our favorite... Mads Mickelson. We haven't even talked about Mads Mickelson. Yeah, Ridiculous. this is the reason we're doing that stranding is this is week two of Mads Mickelson months. Yeah, so, we need to talk about Mads Mickelson, which was like the entire reason I was like pitching you the game in the first place. I thought you'd really enjoy him. Yeah, in it. Mads Mickelson is incredible. So again, for people who don't know Mads Mickelson, he is Le Chief, um, the villain from Casino Royale. He's a Danish actor. He's also plays Hannibal Lecter in Hannibal TV series. And he's a phenomenal actor. Or Isadora might perhaps, because she is in fandom, know him a bit better because the Hannibal fandom is a it's a big fandom. Was a big <laughs> fandom, I guess, since the show's been gone for four years. Yeah. Well look, it went out in high. I think it only ran for like three seasons or something. Oh yeah. But Netflix bought the rights to it and they put it on Netflix and now everyone in the fandom is really, really hoping that that means that like at some point they might announce a season four and Mass Mickelson keeps like apparently wrote in his Twitter going like we want a season four. Like, he apparently very much wants to come back for season four because he had really good crack doing it. Mm, I'd say he did. Like, he's a phenomenal actor. So he plays his character, Cliff. 
um, who you view in these flashback sequences, and who was the coolest moments ever. So I don't like smoking at all. I don't like cigarettes, but he makes cigarettes look so cool when he smokes them. Yeah, no, but Kojima had the same issue because Kojima stopped, like, stopped putting in cigarettes in his game because he didn't want to encourage people to think yeah. smoking was cool. But then in Metal Gear Solid One, they actually have like a segment about like how specifically cigarettes cause lung cancer. Like you're basically told like with the P53 like uh, mechanism. Um, but yeah, go ahead. However. He tried to keep a lot of the mannerisms of different characters when he wrote them, when he put them in the game. So for example, the guy who plays Sam Porter, he would just be doing random like things like clapping his hands on his lap when he was on break. And he would be like, we need that. And he'd like get him to go do it like on the 360 like camera machine so they could take mm -hmm. the graphics of them doing it. But apparently Kojima mm -hmm. on break saw Mass Mickelson um, smoking a cigarette and was like, I hate cigarettes, but you look really cool doing this. We need so to put cool. it in the game now. He looks incredibly cool. But he actually um, did say that. That was the entire, he was like, it would look really cool. So I'm going to bend my my anti-cigarette like policy for this one game. <laughs> and um, I really like Maz Mixon's character because as well as, um, as well as seeing him at a very, various points of the game, um, basically, when you whenever you exit a base and you plug into your bridge baby, um, you get a flashback of um, like a kind of like a vision of Mads Mikkelsen uh, from the point of view of a bridge baby looking out at him. And this is how like you get an insight into Mads Mikkelsen's character and into his background. And like slowly you piece together what's happening with Mads Mikkelsen and they reveal at the end of the game. But I think we figured it out a long time beforehand. We won't spoil it for the viewers, but it's a game that does reward like close viewing. We spoil also, so much. Yeah. We spoil so and, much. And also a game that uh, that like when they tell you explains it like eight times just in case anyone missed. It's like a, a math teacher in the class. And it's like, oh, and yeah. just to go over it again, I will this say is the one... how we got here. The one, yeah, okay, the thing that I actually don't get and that I really don't enjoy is that everyone, when they play the game, like, so many commentaries and viewers are like, oh, it's so deep, it's so complicated. I'm like, I mean, it's kind of complicated in the sense that it's a 40-hour long game, like, I, I'll give you that, fam, but Kojima really does, like sit there and be like, hello, did you remember that we were at point A, that we went to point B, we went to point C, but let me review point B for you so you know how I got to C and mm. D. But then we need to review everything once again, but from a different camera angle, because <laughs> that was different. Yeah, exactly. It's like doing a remedial theology course. Like, they explain it and over explain and explain it, explain it. Like, I think they explain it to... Uh, like too much but obviously they're trying to keep everyone on board so people don't get confused that's why the ending um, ends up being two hours long Cormac the ending is two hours long we started playing at like 10 p.m we're like oh it's gonna be over soon and the 3 a.m we're like the credits rolled I mean, half an hour ago why are we started still, playing like, it at why 10 are we still playing yeah. and then I was looking at you being like you know you're gonna have to go back you're gonna have to do the whole thing backwards right and you were like I don't believe you they're not gonna make me go back I'm like they're definitely gonna make you go back because there's no point for them to construct it all this Stuff along the way unless we're to go back yeah then and i just cheated and took the motorbike along the edge of the map and just went all the way back oh and one of the things i really like about it so we've talked a lot about the characters so the game has lots of cutscenes um but out of a 36 hour game there's probably only five or six hours of cutscenes and the rest of it is um is uh like you traversing the Icelandic landscape like you know using ladders to hike uh, using your motorbike, using um, 
use zip lines later in the game. You can use ropes. Um, so it's um, like the challenge of the game is trying to navigate the terrain, avoid the ghosts, avoid the mules, uh, who are the bandits. Um, and Not constantly uh, drop your gear and piss <laughs> off your child. Yeah, exactly. One of the big things is actually balancing the gear because you're carrying so much in your back. Oh, one of the big that. things, eh, Cormac? Yeah. One, of the, one of the big things yeah. that you that you should do in the game yeah one yeah. of the big things that you yeah. should do in the game one of the major points of the game Cormac one of one of the things <laughs> the thing that was designed inherently part of the game design yeah. yes okay but, yeah I really glad like you're acknowledging that if you play a game like uh, Fallout or Skyrim um like you, you can wear you could like weigh take like a hundred kilos worth of stuff but like the minute you go to 101 kilos you suddenly like move really slow because you're over encumbered but this game the more you put in your back so you put on extra ropes you put on extra weapons extra ladders um, extra blood packs, extra grenades. Um, the more you put on, the more unbalanced you get because you're carrying more on your back. So there's kind of a cost-benefit analysis. So Cormac always like put massive amounts of stuff in his back, like more than 100 kilos of stuff. You and know what? Always fell over, and his door was always like getting really frustrated and being like, you know I'm what? like the crying baby. You know what? Cormac Duff would pack so much stuff on his back that it would be sticking up above him in his character. And then he would straight up walk into enemy camp territory and think that he could hide underneath tall grass to remain hidden. And I'm like, mm, mm, that's so fascinating, Cormac, because your boxes literally go above the grass. It's like, yes, Cormac, all of these well-developed AI people over there are going to really be tricked by you hiding in this grass when you literally have double the size of you yeah. on your back. That's actually a mechanic in the game. If you carry too much, you can't hide in the long grass anymore. Which is brilliant. Oh, I know. I know. And, and later on in the game, I ran out of weapons, so I just had to like throw a load of smoke grenades behind me so that like the bad guys couldn't see me. And then jumped into a river, and then the river brought me downstream so that I could like slide away from them. So it was like the getaway in the hobbit, but with fewer barrels and also 25 minutes shorter. That was actually a good burn. <laughs> I actually had to cut that uh, hobbit, um, you know, escape scene. And I cut it once. We watched it together in that like three-hour cut. But then I've cut it again for my two hour 50 minute cut because I was like, it's already way too long. Even when I cut it down significantly, it's like half its length. Um, so we've talked a lot about Hideo Kojima. So people probably know him as the Japanese developer behind the Metal Gear Solid series, which is kind of like a stealth spy game uh, about like, you know, American spies and nuclear weapons and stuff. What's, what would you, what's like the tone of Hideo Kojima games for people who've never played them before? Dark, but on the nose. Yeah, I'd say incredibly on the nose. Like, everyone's got, like, names that are nonsensical and over the, over the top. There's, like, way too much exposition. There's all, like, family drama. There's, they, there's loads of, like, lore to explore, and you can, like, talk to people and, like, figure out their backgrounds. There's, like, double crosses and triple crosses. Um, it's, it's, a, it's way over the top. Like, there's no one really else like him. He's the closest thing gaming has to a, you know, Quentin Tarantino. Like, someone with an incredibly distinct style. He's an auteur. And He's I, an auteur. like, it's so funny because when you see interviews with Hideo Kojima, he seems, like, so nice and so lovely. And I do fundamentally believe that he must be a very nice and lovely person. Mm. But his games are so high-maintenance. Like, like, the things that he wants to do with games are so high-maintenance that I always, like, imagine him as this over-the-top, like, you know... Um, I don't know, like Steinbeck, like author that's just like amazing and like everyone like will just do anything. I guess Steinbeck was actually a nice person. So he's not a good Hemingway. Hemingway I imagine yeah. him as like Hemingway. Hemingway like, is a dick. 
I imagine him like uh, being needy like Hemingway, but yet he does not seem to be that way. He actually seems to be a perfectly nice, wonderful, normal Japanese man who can just like decides to randomly create extremely complex yet very mm. fun to play games randomly. Yeah. And I'm like, sir, how are you so normal? Like, you seem very nice and normal <laughs> in interviews, and it's really funny. Yeah. It's incredible. Like, he did a really good job. So he left the Metal Gear Solid series because of a altercation with his like, terrible publisher, Kojima, or um, Konami, should I say. Um, and Konami likes, wanted to make pachinko machines. Yeah, which are like slot machines out of his out of his games. He did make it out of his games. And they, like, scrubbed his name from the front of the of the box and they were just really mean to him. They wouldn't let him accept an award at the Game Awards on the Game 1. Um, so they're just incredibly mean and I never, I'm never going to buy another Konami game because of how they treated him. Um, but it's, uh, it's a, so he set up a Kojima Studios, his new studio, and within four years he had this game out, which is an incredibly short period of, of time uh, for, especially for a big complex game while you're setting, setting up a new studio. I was really impressed. Um, and I think the reason is that he had a game engine ready to go. So he used the um, the game engine from Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, which was a, another PlayStation exclusive game. And that way he got like engineers from Guerrilla Games who were able to help his programmers get used to it. And it was good for making open world games as well, like this game. So, yeah, I was like impressed. He did it in four years. And the one also, thing... Oh, sorry. I think it was. I think that's why he got it done so quickly because his previous game, Metal Gear Solid Five, he had to make his own game engine. Which people don't know what a game engine is. It's like all the kind of rules and physics and graphics that go into a game have to work in this kind of thing. And trying to make the thing is like trying to build an airplane engine while flying an airplane. Like it's it's just really complex. It's better to one and then uh, the engine first and then make the game. Oh, I was gonna say my one issue, and this is an issue I've commented to you many times on the game is that the hair dynamics on the game, like everything else about the game mm. is exceptionally lifelike, but the hair dynamics just are not on point. And I always got so bitter because I was like, they used the Horizon Zero Dawn engine, the engine that literally had the perfect hair. Yeah, like Aloy, the main character's hair in Horizon Zero Dawn is incredibly complex hair. I figured they should have used, um, there is a specific game engine just for hair physics that they created for the 2013 Lara Croft Tomb Raider game. So I figured they just should have licensed that for the hair because everything else Maybe. looks amazing. Yeah, but the thing is, like, the engine already had, like, probably already had some aspect of hair physics considering the fact that it was previously utilized in a game that had extensively... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but everything well, else about... Maybe it's just, like, a computing power thing they couldn't get the hair moving because that is I, don't see, I don't see the hair move that much. That's why your man has the hair in his man bun a lot. Yeah. To be fair, his hair does look way better when it's in the man bun. I do also think that Kojima saved a lot of time um, by literally just scanning the exact copy of the actors into the game. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which, to be fair, came out amazing. And I actually really appreciate that because it lends a very, like, cinematic quality to the game. And also, yeah. like, all these people, when they voice act, like, you never really get to see, like, particularly um, the guy who plays Higgs. Like, he's Baker. a very famous voice actor, but you don't actually mm -hmm. see his face ever. You know, in yeah. all the other games he's done. So it's nice to have a game where, like, you actually see the actor, you know? Yeah, it was really strange because, like, you recognize his voice from, like, you know, Handsome Jack from the Borderlands series. And suddenly you actually see what he what he really looks like. Um, and he's, he's a phenomenal voice actor. Like, he's probably the best voice actor in gaming. And it's great that, like, we can finally put a face to, mm -hmm. uh, to a voice. 
Um, I also feel it saved a huge amount of time. If you compare it to a game yeah, like so The Last of Us Part 2, Last of Us Part 2, they'll use kind of the motion capture, but they'll only use that as like a reference and they'll like hand animate everything else. So if someone mm -hmm. like smiles, they get like an animator to like, or like someone does like a lopsided smile, they do like a hand animator to like do the, the animation for the smile, you know? Which is insanely time consuming because like, you know, hundreds of different facial emotions need to be made for the main characters. And a lot of them are unique and just for that moment uh, mm -hmm. where some of them could be recycled. Whereas this one, it's literally just like they're scanning in their faces and if they raise their eyebrows or something, um, the eyebrows are, will be raised in the game. Um, like I just thought it was really clever and probably saved a huge amount of time as well. Oh yeah, prob probably did. Um, but the thing is, I don't want to like detract from the fact that it was really cool to see them and be like, oh, he just did it for time-saving measures. I actually just think it was really cool, but also had like the double effect of probably shaving a year off of, or a year or yeah. two off of work, you know? For sure, yeah. I was actually surprised the game came out so quickly. And it was basically, it was the Sony's big game for 2019. So in like, in 20, they usually have one big marquee game per year. So um, 2014, it was Bloodborne. Uh, 2016, it was Uncharted 4. Uh, 2017, Horizon Zero Dawn. 2018, um, God of War and Spider-Man. Uh, 2019 was uh, their big release was Death Stranding. But Death Stranding didn't sell anywhere near as well as those other games. Those other games I mentioned, for the most part, sold like over 10 million units. Death Stranding sold a little bit over 2 million. So it made it like a modest profit, but not anywhere near as much as his previous games did. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it was like a flop? Like it wasn't as, as big a hit as we would have expected for someone with such great reputation and such a big marketing budget behind it. I feel like we've been trained to think of video games as a combat-based game. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is not a combat-based game. It's actually more like a puzzle game, if anything. Yeah, it's 100% a um, puzzle game. With the traversal is the hardest thing to do. Yeah, but I really like that. But I think we're not used to seeing big-budget games be puzzle games. But I also think that um, Death Stranding had initially polarizing reviews which mm. i think led to some people not wanting to buy it which that i actually probably, think is really bad because yeah. i think that if people like the first hour or two is kind of strange and i remember that when you played it for the first hour or two you were like isadora i don't know if i like like this and i kept just being like keep yeah. going i know yeah, that yeah. i've i've read up on this game i know it is your <laughs> dream game you just need to yeah. keep going i know i didn't i think it was a slow start and yeah, I didn't, and it's it's a little bit hard to get into. But as well, yeah, the reviews were incredibly polarizing. Some people have called it literally their favorite game ever, like Michael Swain. It's my favorite game um, ever, honestly. Yeah, I'd, like it's certainly it's up there, my top ones. Like I've made two pieces of art based on it so far, which I've never done for any game. Uh, I did one of a baby and then one of like the landscape, and I put the baby painting at work, but no one knows it's the baby from the game except the one guy who I was like, I can hug you. You actually recognize it. Um, so uh, yeah, it's um, it's a phenomenal game. I think it, I think like I said, we're used to seeing games through like the barrel of a gun. Like the, big, the biggest games are like sh are shooters, or um, with the exception of Minecraft. Um, and this game is just like really kind of slow and meditative and adults. And you pay and pay a cutscene, but then you spend the next like twenty minutes or twenty half an hour just like you know kind of wandering idly through a lands landscape and thinking about life and thinking about what you've seen and heard. And you get into a real kind of flow state and suddenly you spend hours without really realizing it. Um, I loved it. Like, I thought it was phenomenal. Like, the art design is really beautiful. It's kind of black and gold designs, going back to Egyptian pharaohs, the beautifully desolate landscapes. There's an incredible draw distance as well, so you can see for miles and miles. Um, the We mentioned motion capture is great. The writing is phenomenal. The 
um, actors are great. Like I just, I feel like it does over explain things sometimes and I'd probably cut a couple of hours out of it um, if I, if I was there, but it is like, that's like, I love, of, I love, I love long stories. So we're different. Yeah. I don't yeah. like, lo- I don't like short games. I get pissy yeah. at short games. But it's the same thing, like in the same way, you probably cut like half an hour, an hour from a Quentin Tarantino movie, um, at least from Django Unchained, Unchained onwards. Um, but it's like an entire thing. So you go for it because they're so big that like no editor can kind of touch them. So that's kind of how I feel about about this. Um, and I really like the message as well. It's like the idea that like people were so isolated and that the main character is like that as well. Like he's a fear of human contact. Like he wants to shake hands with people or hug people. And then like the, you know, climax of the game isn't about like, you know, shooting someone. It's about like hugging someone. And it's about like, you know, the idea that like we need a human connection to reconnect. And, and I like, kept telling you to throw away the gun. I was like, you need to throw away the gun. You're like, no, I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot. I'm like, yeah. throw it away. See what happens when you throw it away. I, I will say that I only figured it out after shooting the person twelve times. <laughs> yeah, but Isadora the whole time was like yelling, being like, it's not gonna work. <laughs> and you were right. Um, oh, I mentioned mentioned the the music in the game is amazing. So there's this band called Low Roar. Who normally like when games license music they get like one song they basically chose this guy's entire album and uh when they announced the game at e3 which is like a big kind of games expo they used it with one of the songs from it it opens up with a low roar song they play at like different times when you cross different valleys really beautifully similarly to how the mexico song plays in red dead redemption and it's probably the best use of music i've seen in games what is low roar like what's the music like for someone who hasn't heard it Icelandic, like dark, melodic, yet rock, but they're mm-hmm. actually from the Bay Area in California. Mm-hmm. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, that's very Bay. That's very Bay. Yeah. Apparently, Kojima um, was in like an Icelandic, he's in Iceland for, you know, researching the game uh, because he wanted to look like Iceland. And I remember being in Iceland like four years ago and I thought it looked so unlike anywhere else. Like you go to a beach and rock would be black because this volcanic or sorry the sand will be black because it's volcanic ash and i was like jesus like this is incredible it feels like i'm in you know completely alien environments like i was in interstellar so i'm glad it's actually in a game like because it's so distinctive like i've seen loads of like desert environments and urban environments jungle environments like this is just something like no water and uh yeah low roar is incredible i sung at don't don't be so serious the start of the podcast so that's the song that plays at the start of the game um, so I love this game. It's one of my favorite games ever. Um, I think it's worth buying a PlayStation 4 for, or you can use it on a PlayStation 5 as well. Um, is it a bop or scam? I mean, it's a bop, and I spent way too long convincing you it was a bop before you bought the game. Yes, I stand by I know, that. I know. I, I saw it only had like an 82% on Metacritic. So I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, and a lot of reviewers I liked didn't like it that much, but I'm so glad I played it. Thank you for telling me. And it is a bop from me. Isidore, do you have anything you want to add? Its fandom is pretty decent. Not gonna, not gonna lie. I got some decent fanfic. Uh, I got some, got some pretty good fan fiction out of, out of this video game. So I'm, I'm happy. That's who all I ever you, look for. Who are you shipping? I'm thinking you're shipping like Higgs and Sean Porter Bridges. Oh, I love that you get my pairings. You're so good at it. Oh, you know exactly <laughs> what I like in a fanfic. <laughs> You're like two people that I really like and also have repressed emotions. And are yeah, also one's two, evil. They're always, one they're always, two always men. Be one's evil, evil and one's good. Yeah. Yeah. The Perfect. pairing is everything I like. Angst, 
good bad redemption arcs um do i do i get into fandoms or play video games solely for their fan fiction and i check the fan fiction beforehand yes <laughs> so isadora is from fandom and uh yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm not, but I'm glad that that's there for the fans. And technically, I'm like a fan person, too, because I made fan art. Oh, baby, you're so, you're so, I love how you're like, I'm a fan. I'm like, oh, sweetie, fandom. Fandom is a whole <laughs> different beast. This is a whole different podcast. Okie dokie. Uh, this is one of our longest reviews yet, so we might leave it for the moment. Um, anything you'd like to say? Nope, I'm all good. I just have to go send some emails and actually try to redo my sleep schedule. Perfect. We'll be back next week to continue Mads Nicholson months. Uh, have we decided what to watch, watch yet, Isadora? No, but we'll just look through all his movies. Maybe I can get you to watch some Hannibal. It's technically yeah, maybe... a flop because it got cancelled. It did get cancelled. might watch The Hunt as well one of the weeks. I've heard very good things about that. And it's by the director of another round. Perfect. So it's goodbye from me. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.